Chapters fifty and fifty one of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty. The first person with whom I made friends, or rather who tried to be friends with me, was the assistant house doctor. He was not at all good looking, but he was big and strong and good natured. His small gray eyes twinkled merrily under his light bushy eyebrows. The first time he spoke to me was when he came to take a drop of blood from my finger we want to see he said whether you have blood or water in your veins and he laughed how do you feel fine i said he gave my hand a slap and watched to see if it would get pink you will have to feel a great deal finer before you can leave here he said he tightened his lips and nodded at me as much as to say you might as well make up your mind to it i was not at all grieved to hear this indeed i should have been grieved if it were to be otherwise for i already loved it here the second time he came i had a book which my mother had brought me to read he sat down on the edge of the bed took up the book and looked at the first page then he turned to the end and he looked in the middle his face became more and more perplexed i cannot read a word of it he finally said what do you call this it is yiddish i told him read a little i read why he exclaimed it sounds like german i tried to explain to him that yiddish had many german words though they were pronounced somewhat differently i tried to explain it in english and i had to guess at many words and so to make sure that it was clear i also explained it in german for like every jewish person i made some claim to being able to speak german what else can you speak the doctor was looking quite merry again russian i said in the peasant dialect of the village from which i come he looked about the ward and asked the russian word for table chair plant window bed i told him and he tried to say each word after me he had his mouth all screwed up and he pronounced the words almost like an infant i could not help laughing and he laughed too his hearty laugh sounded through the whole ward and many of the patients took it up and laughed with us not knowing what it was all about what a merry people are the americans i thought we took things more seriously but very often he was serious too he would sit on the edge of the bed with his arms folded and ask me to tell him about home and the shop one day i saw him coming into the ward accompanied by a beautiful woman she wore a bunch of violets tied with a purple cord as they came along there was a sound like the rustling of leaves and the air about my bed became sweet ruth the doctor said i want to introduce you to a friend i had never dreamed there was anything like her beauty her blue-black hair her blue-gray eyes her teeth her smile but though i was so ignorant of life i understood at once somehow that much of this woman's beauty was due to the care she had received all her life and her mother before her and perhaps even her grandmother it was so clear that every root of her hair almost received special attention she came to see me often and brought me roses once she brought a big box full of pink ones with thick green rough-looking stems she laid a full-blown flower on my lap and went to give the rest to the other patients as she left my bed i wiped hot tears away i had wanted a bud because it would last longer but the next moment i thought of myself with contempt that it should mean so much to me most of the time she came accompanied only by the doctor once she brought a friend a charming young girl of twenty-one who told me she had just come home from college 
she plied me with eager questions about home and the shop even if i had known how to express myself what could i tell them i felt ashamed before these women that seemed to know nothing that was ugly or evil very soon i had still another friend at four o'clock in the afternoon a professor used to come in he was tall slender and bald his small face was round and pink and so jolly that i would feel myself begin to grin the moment i caught sight of him or heard his voice one afternoon he said i am going to bring a friend to see you she is very unhappy will you try and cheer her up i said yes without knowing what i was saying with all the doctors and nurses looking on and listening for they were making their rounds the next afternoon he came in with a young woman dressed in deep mourning he introduced her and went away to join the troop of doctors waiting for him at the first bed she was as charming as my doctor's friend though not quite so handsome but what i chiefly noticed and felt was her deep sorrow though she made an effort to appear cheerful i could see that she was weighed down by grief it was in her eyes in the expression of her face in her every motion she told me that her mother had died recently and then she sat quite still looking about the ward but i knew that she did not see the things at which she was looking after a while she asked would you like me to read to you i thought that perhaps in this way she would forget for a while so i said quickly yes the next time she came she had a book with her all i remember of it is the name under the red robe i was not in the main ward now but in the annex where there were only ten beds occupied by patients that were the least sick and had to remain long beside my bed there was a fine window facing park avenue and at this window my friend sat down and read her voice was agreeable and she read steadily i was thinking as i watched her face that she seemed very much interested when suddenly the book slipped from her hands she laid her head on my pillow and wept i looked at her a moment then moved my face close to hers and wept too one day after she had gone the patients whispered to each other and the nearest to me asked do you know who that woman is of course i did not she is a daughter of one of the biggest millionaires in the united states you are very fortunate to have such a friend then she said but it is wasted on you she was a grey-haired woman with a toothless mouth and she mumbled to herself about throwing pearls to the swine but i thought what strange things happen in america the daughter of a millionaire and i crying on one pillow then i wondered why i was receiving so much attention i did not know that the part of the city where i was living was called the east side or the slums or the ghetto and that the face of the east side or the slums or the ghetto was still new and a curiosity to the people in this part of the city a sight to cheer any unhappy person but the daily life in the ward i found quite as interesting as my new friends having a fondness for looking and dreaming and i am afraid to say for idleness the life in bed exactly suited me i heard many of the patients complain about the food and the attendance and that they could not sleep that life was dull and they longed to be out but not i i found every one kind and not a moment was dull or monotonous there was so much to see and every minute something new seemed to happen to begin with the early morning at five o'clock when our little night nurse brought us each a basin of water and woke us up to wash i would see that her face looked paler than it had been in the evening her cap a little askew her apron not quite as fresh and her smile not so bright 
but she hurried hurried to make up as many beds as possible before the day nurses were to come she was so sweet so sweet this little nurse there was such a warm touch in her small roughened hands at seven o'clock the day nurses came in looking fresh and rested i would watch each one going to her task with something of a soldier's regularity if the breakfast happened to be up they came in at once carrying the trays of food then our ward so quiet a minute before was filled with life the door swung back and forth there was a clatter of dishes a smell of coffee and the dull pat-pat of the nurse's rubber-soled shoes on the floor as they came tripping in each carrying two trays the upper resting on two cups the good motherly nurses brought their trays in looking neat and the food was hot and tempting while the careless or indifferent ones came straggling in late and the food was cold and spilled over after breakfast there was a hustle and bustle of tidying up and a sweeper came in she was a big stout woman with dark angry eyes and a bang of oily iron-gray hair that curled all about her forehead when she took a dislike to a patient she would bang the broom-handle against the bed as she swept under it i used to lie waiting and quivering at the thought of her coming by nine o'clock not a safety pin was out of place the patients lay back fresh and clean and the doctors came in to make their rounds i would prop myself up against my pillows smooth my bedclothes and watch them going from bed to bed the nurses lined up on one side the doctors on the other they looked so different from us the people i had been accustomed to see all my life they were tall healthy men and women so well dressed with such fine quiet manners and i wondered how they lived outside of the hospital what their homes were like these two were americans all gentile english-speaking people were americans to me these looked so different from our americans on cherry street did they too hate the jews since i had been here i had not once been made to feel that there was any difference and i as i was growing to know and understand and love the people all about me was losing my intense nationalism on monday afternoons a missionary used to come into our ward she was dressed in black and i always thought of her as being long and narrow even her features were long and narrow she would give out the hymn-books and then stand in the doorway between the annex and the main ward and lead the singing she had a loud shrill voice that could be heard above the voices of the patients after the singing as she collected her hymn-books she talked to each of us she would ask how do you feel but she never stopped to hear the answer in the same breath she would begin to talk about christ the first time she bent her tall back form over my bed i felt very uncomfortable and when she began to talk about christ i was miserable finally i said i am a jewess and now i thought she would go away at once but to my surprise she walked around to the other side of my bed and only now began to talk to me earnestly my face began to burn i saw that she wanted to convert me and i on the other hand thought it a sin even to listen to her finally i contrived to put my fingers into my ears and make it appear that i merely had my hands over them and now i lay still and looked at her her lips moved rapidly and gradually a red spot appeared on each cheek and a tiny white bead of foam worked itself into each corner of her mouth after a few times i felt that she could never convert me and i no longer put my fingers into my ears when mother came again i told her about everything else but i did not mention the missionary i thought i am perfectly safe and they will only worry at home but danger came from where i least expected it 
besides the missionary another religious person used to come into our ward first he would come in the afternoon to distribute pamphlets he was a quiet elderly distinguished-looking man with longish silver-white hair he nodded to each patient as he laid the pamphlet on the bed within easy reach and only stopped to talk to the elderly women i noticed that he did not talk about religion at all he asked them how they were he was not smiling but his pale quiet face looked kind and sympathetic one day as he laid the magazine on my bed he stopped and glanced at my card are you a jewess he asked in his quiet way looking from the card to my face i said yes he smiled it is a good religion he said earnestly and went on to the next bed when had i ever heard any one praise our religion the words had a strange effect on me i sat up and watched him as long as he was in the ward i thought to this man i would like to talk at the end of the day when the sun was going down and we were finishing our supper he would come again to say prayers as he came in with his long even stride his person invited peace and quiet if a nurse were in the ward she would sit down for a moment and we patients handled the dishes less noisily he would stop in the great doorway between the annex and the ward and turn the pages of his bible slowly very slowly that we might have a chance to finish little by little it grew quiet the last sounds came more and more softly the shifting of trays the tinkle of a spoon on a glass a sigh then came his earnest mellow tone low yet filling every corner of the wards our father who art in heaven after he was gone i would lie quite still still hearing his voice his words were on my lips one day i sat up and took the bible from the box on the bedstead and looked at it without opening it this was the first time i had touched it and i felt guilty and uneasy then i thought how could it be a sin to know this man's religion and i opened it there had always been a mystery about this bible as well as about the people who read it the mystery about the people was almost dissolved and now about the book too i could see nothing mysterious it had a musty smell like any other book that was old and little used here and there the pages stuck together with a bit of food i put it back into the box the next day i took it out again opened the first page and picked out the words that i knew those that i could not read i spelled over to the next patient and she told me how to pronounce the words and the meaning i read every day and soon i was able to read by myself and as i began to understand it i became more and more interested finally i thought about it constantly i wanted to understand the christian religion i was so eager to know and understand it that though i felt so timid and sensitive i began to talk about it ask questions ask for explanations and soon i gave the impression that i wanted to become a christian one day my doctor's friend asked ruth do you really want to become a christian i looked at her oh no i said she laughed merrily i thought not no i did not want to become a christian and yet i felt dreadfully troubled in the meantime daily life in the ward became even more interesting after weeks and weeks in bed i was at last allowed up and when i again learned to walk i enjoyed helping the nurses i learned how to make beds beautifully i used to bring the patients water i combed their hair i rubbed their bedridden backs with alcohol i often remained for hours at a fever patient's bed and applied ice compresses 
I was happy to learn all these things. I determined that if anyone should be sick after I returned home, I would attend to them just as I saw the patients here attended. So three months passed. It was a bright day in June when I bade farewell to all my friends in the Presbyterian Hospital. When I came out of the building, I looked up at the windows. I thought of the life to which I was going, and a feeling of dread came over me. Then I remembered that it was three months since I had seen the children, and I turned and walked quickly to the Third Avenue car. CHAPTER 51 Although almost five years had passed since I had started for America, it was only now that I caught a glimpse of it. For though I was in America, I had lived in practically the same environment which we brought from home. Of course there was a difference in our joys, in our sorrows, in our hardships, for after all this was a different country. But on the whole we were still in our village in Russia. A child that came to this country and began to go to school had taken the first step into the new world. But the child that was put into the shop remained in the old environment with the old people, held back by the old traditions, held back by illiteracy. Often it was years before he could stir away from it. Sometimes it would take a lifetime. Sometimes, too, it happened as in fairy tales, that a hand was held out to you and you were helped out. In my own case, it was through the illness which had seemed such a misfortune that I had stirred out of Cherry Street. But now that I had had a glimpse of the new world, a revolution took place in my whole being. I was filled with a desire to get away from the whole old order of things. And I went groping about blindly, stumbling, suffering and making others suffer. And then, through the experience, intelligence and understanding of other beings, a little light came to me, and I was able to see that the old world was not all dull and the new not all glittering. And then I was able to stand between the two, with a hand in each. The first thing that I can recall after I came from the hospital is a feeling of despondency. The rooms seemed smaller and dingier than they had been. In the evening the lamp burned more dimly, and there was a general look of hopelessness over everything. It was in every face, it was in every corner of our dull home, as well as in all the other homes that I saw. It was in every sound that came in from the street, in every sigh that I heard in the house. I saw the years stretching ahead of me, always the same, and I wept bitterly. I had never been so aware of it all. In the shop where I found work now it was as at home. As I looked at the men, I could not help comparing them with those other men. To the little insinuating jokes and stories I listen now, not with resignation as before, but with anger. Why should this be? Why should they talk like that? And I was filled with a blinding dislike for the whole class of tailors. But I did not give my entire thought to what I saw about me. As the days passed, I became aware that I was waiting for something, for what I could scarcely say. Away in the back of my head there was this thought. Surely this would not end here. Would this be all I would see of that other world outside of Cherry Street? And I waited from day to day. In the meantime I filled up the days at work with dreaming of that other life I had seen. I thought a good deal about that fine old man, the minister. His words and his voice had remained fresh in my mind. Of course, I must not breathe a word at home about him, about the New Testament. This necessity for secrecy soon led to other little secret thoughts and actions. It soon occurred to me, why should I not read the New Testament if I want to? 
why should i not do anything i like if four months ago father thought me old enough to get married then i am certainly old enough now to decide things for myself so i stopped consulting mother and began to do little things independently it was not hard to do this for during the three months i had grown away from home a good deal and now with the thought of my experience in which they had no part every day i was slipping away little by little mother noticed and her eyes looked troubled but i did not understand their meaning father had tightened the reins of authority and i only tried the harder to writhe myself free my only thought now was of myself and the world outside of home and cherry street but underneath all this perversity and selfishness i can see now as i look back a deep longing to see to know to understand in the settlement i was not so often now miss wald saw that i came home looking well and at once found work so she thought she would leave well enough alone besides i had told her about my friends in the hospital so perhaps she thought that she would stand aside and give the others a chance the settlement was of course included in my mind in that outside world of which i dreamed but i felt too timid to go there often even on invitation without a reason some one of the reasons for which the settlement seemed to be established one day however when i was thinking of the new testament it occurred to me to go to the nurses and ask for it where would i get it if not from them they were gentiles and they would surely have it and i started at once with that new something in me that was defiant of all the old life i found miss brewster in the little basement and asked her for it timidly and with great uncertainty for it was hard for a jewish girl brought up as i had been even to utter the words i want to read the new testament the thought of becoming a christian was nowhere in my mind but this would be the first real step beyond the boundary miss brewster looked at me silently and as if she did not quite understand and i felt still more uneasy under her observation and explained eagerly i want so to read it she finally said i am afraid ruth dear we cannot give it to you you see your father would think true the nurses have been kind to my daughter but they have led her away from our faith and that would never do for the settlement do you see i was beginning to feel a little guilty what she said the way she said it and looked at me made me feel that i was wrong to act in secrecy again she observed me for a long moment then she put her arm around me and said pleasantly come we walked up the little staircase to the sitting-rooms on the first floor she put me into a deep chair and then she knelt before the bookcase she hummed cheerfully as she looked from shelf to shelf and i sat and watched her her every motion to me was new and interesting and charming she represented the people i wanted to know the new life i desired she finally held out to me a tiny volume and said with a smile and in that rich voice of hers here ruth is a sweet love story read it and i took it away with me the name of it i do not remember and though it was not the bible for the time being it satisfied me indeed just at present it did more than that it filled me with joy for strange and stupid as it may seem it had not occurred to me that now i could read anything i felt so proud that i could read an english book that i carried it about with me in the street i took it along to the shop i became quite vain often as i looked about me while walking through the street it seemed to me that now i did not belong here i did not feel a part of it all as i did formerly but very soon something happened which showed me that indeed it was here that i belonged one day a letter came from my doctor's friend 
this was the thing for which i had been waiting and this too was the first letter i had ever received but i could not read it the children could not read it either except a word here and there they pored over the crisp blue paper while i stood over them anxiously and then they handed it back to me it is written in a fancy handwriting they said and then like any poor illiterate old woman i had to run to a drug store and ask a clerk to read my letter to me i felt ashamed before the clerk at not being able to read i determined to try and learn a little from the children and again go to night school when winter came End of chapter fifty one